0: Welcome to the Gen X Mixtape, a nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This week's theme is the 4th of July, where Alan and I will be curating a mixtape for the patriotic holiday. How are you doing, Alan? Doing really well. How about yourself? Well, it's a lot better day than the last
1: time we decided to record. (laughs) It certainly is. This was the day I really wanted for our beach mixtape, but hey, 4th of July would be the perfect night for fireworks. It would be.
0: It would be. Uh, before we begin, I want to say thank you to the um, audience. Uh, boy, they really came through with reviews. We had uh, 13 ratings, and they were all five stars, so that's, uh, we were very appreciative of that. And uh, we also had uh, several different uh, reviews as well, so I'm going to read a couple of those. Um, one listener said, easy way to listen to old favorites as well as find some new favorites. Uh, they keep it interesting and fun, and it's a good way to find new music. Everyone can bond over music, and it's always nice to hear others' opinions. Production quality is also good. I enjoy this podcast a lot. Uh, another one said, excellent conversation and song selection that brought back lots of memories. I highly recommend it. And a third one said, great podcast. So it sounds like, um, you know, this is kind of what we intended. Right. They like us. They
1: really, really like <laughs> okay, us. Okay, <sorry>. Sally.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, that they kind of hit everything that we were looking for. We wanted to maybe jar some memories and... Um, Beta people in nostalgia, that, that was weird, <laughs> and um, <A> bit. <laughs> g- <laughs> And give people an opportunity to maybe uh, come up with some new music and learn some, some information about their favorite songs. So uh, boy, keep it up though, if you can continue um, with the ratings and, and, and reviews, again, that helps us reach a wider audience, which is what we want to do. Speaking of, we've added another country. In addition to um, Belgium and uh, Hungary, and of course uh, the United States, we now have Germany. Very oh, nice. and South Africa, South Africa yeah, as well. Mm-hmm. We've so, gone international. Or international. I would love to hear from an international listener.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd be really curious to, to hear what they to think. To see how
0: the experience, because, you know, we're obviously coming from an American experience, you know, from the 1980s and 1990s. So it'd be interesting to see if the mixtape experience was different in different countries or if it was pretty much the same thing. Yeah. yeah so e- email yeah, us would. at uh, Gen X Podcast. At gmail.com or you can drop by any of our social media platforms and uh and let us know that'd be great all right so let's uh take a look you know we forgot last time to make a title for our mixtape that's the second time in a row we've second, forgotten yes to do this.
1: second episode in a row um we did choose a, a title um after we we had finished recording uh looked at a few of the songs on our, our on our mixtape and we decided to go with escape by rupert holmes um I think it's a perfect title because the beach is an escape. It's exactly what we were looking for, and who does not like a pina colada in hand when you're, you know, baking in the sun? Right. So.
0: No, that was perfect title.
1: Perfect title. So um, this this one here,
0: I think we probably already titled it.
1: I yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, you know, coming in, I, I thought the the perfect title, and ironically enough, it's not on my set list, but. I think we should go "Born in the USA" by Bruce Springsteen. Um, you know, "Born in the USA" it's such an interesting song because people misinterpret it uh, time and again, including the politicians that have tried to use it on the campaign trail. Um, Ronald Reagan, most notably, uh, "Born in the USA" started life. Uh, Springsteen, I think, originally planned on titling it "Vietnam." Actually, yeah, I think so. the, it the was album. originally
0: an outtake from the Nebraska sessions. Uh, we we're, were all done by himself with his acoustic guitar and a little you know eight track mixer. Right, and uh, it was a holdover, and then of course he made the full blown version that we know now. Yeah,
1: and actually it was uh, director Paul Schrader uh, gave him the idea. He approached Springsteen. He wanted to make a film about a struggling band, and um, he asked Springsteen to write the you know the the title song for the film, which was going to be Born in the USA. But after Springsteen released his his song and and consequently the album. The title was too associated with Springsteen, so Schrader couldn't use it. And Springsteen ended up um, coming up with an alternative. He, he instead uh, gave Schrader the song "Light of Day" Light, with Michael we, J. Fox. Yes, which which became the you know the title of the film and the the song as well. Um, yeah, "Born in the USA." It, it's it is not a patriotic song. Yeah. Largely, it's written about the uh, what what Vietnam. Uh, veterans um, faced when, when returning home after, after the war. Most most soldiers received a hero's welcome historically, and that was not the case for Vietnam. But no, it's a fantastic song. It's, I, I don't know if it's on your list.
0: Well, um, no, and I, I was going to say, you know, I, I've gone to a lot of fireworks shows in my life. And it really, really, really bothers me every time, and, and every fireworks show is going to play Born in the USA. Usually it's the climax. Usually they do some type of simo blasting where, you know, you, if you're in your car, you tune to a certain radio station. Sure. Or a local radio station provides the soundtrack for the fireworks show. And Born in the USA is always on there. Now, it doesn't bother me that it's on there because it's a song. I did not put it on my list. I could have put it on my list. Um, Because it'll fit with the criteria of what we're discussing. Absolutely. What bothers me is that, like you said, people misunderstand the song. And so people are chanting to it in a patriotic way, which, again, nothing wrong with being uh, patriotic. But I think the fact that, you know, Bruce is trying to make a statement about how our country could be better and it wasn't necessarily this rally around the flag type of song. Right. That's, that's the part that bothers me. And I, I shouldn't be such a snob about it. I mean, if people are having a good time and they're honoring their country, I guess it shouldn't matter.
1: Well, it shouldn't, I, I suppose. But, you know, at the same time, I would argue, while it's not the song that most people think that it is, it is very patriotic. There, there's nothing more patriotic than the right to assemble and to protest uh, when you feel that the government is not... Uh, keeping up their end of the, you know, the bargain when democracy is not favoring the middle class, which, you know, that's Springsteen's catalog from start to finish.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we want to make it clear here, too. I mean, this is not intended to be a political, uh, you know, episode at all. Uh, you'll find our criteria here in a second for the songs that we've chosen. But, you know, both Alan and I can I speak for him. You can tell me if I'm wrong. But we're, we're patriotic people. We we believe in America. We believe in the promise of America. But we also believe that, um, you know, that it's in progress. The great, you know, democratic experiment isn't complete yet. And, you know, even though it's been, you know, 200 plus years, of course, there are still people. I mean, just turn on the television, right? There are still people in this country that do not have equal access to that American dream. But what makes the country great is that we're seeing people rise up and people demand a change. People are demanding that they be heard and that they have a a more equal access to that American dream. And it's their right to do so, even though some people are trying to quash that. And so that's what we're celebrating. Not only the America of the past and the great things that we've done as a country, um, but also the great things that we're sure are going to happen uh, as the result of especially the younger generations speaking up. It's, it's no different than what happened in the 60s. And you can go back, obviously, many generations before that brought about change. Um, it's just that's what's great about our country. We continue to get
1: better. Right. Nope. I agree. So, so what were your criteria going well, into this episode?
0: Two criteria for this. Uh, one, it could be a song literally about the 4th of July. Okay. okay, could be set on the Fourth of July. Um, again, the Fourth of July conjures up a lot of nostalgic memories for people because it's kind of not quite the the middle of the summer, um, but you know, close to that center. I, I know when Fourth of July comes around, I start to get paranoid, thinking, "Oh my gosh, the summer's already gone." But really, it's only about four weeks into the the summer.
1: <laughs> I do I do this as as an educator. I do the same yes, thing. the yes. moment the fireworks end, I just uh, I don't know. I sadness sets in, and I think I'm I'm. On my way back to school, right? They're
0: about to show back to school, you know, yeah. material commercials on, on television. But uh, so there's there's that, and you know, usually it's a warm, hot, you know, summer night. And so, growing up, you might have memories hanging out with your friends, uh, memories uh, with a particular girlfriend, maybe not so great memories. You know, maybe it conjures up uh, a fight that you had. But whatever, it's one of those times during the year where whatever you were doing at that time. Um, has, a, has a better chance of sticking in your memory because of what was going around you, whether it be fireworks or what have you. So sure. so that's one. And number two, um, songs that celebrate the promise of America. So, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, for instance, before the broadcast, we added a rule, and the rule was no Lee Greenwood. Um, <laughs> right. No God Bless the USA. No offense to people that like that song. It's a, it's a wonderfully crafted song. But it's just, you know, it's been played over and over, and it's, you know, to the point where... I don't know. To me, it almost represents a blind patriotism. Again, that can just be my bat with it. I always prefer a song that is patriotic, with like we said, with
1: the idea that our country is still growing. Right. Um, no, I, and I was, I was a okay with not including Lee Greenwood. That that that's the same reason I did not include Born in the USA on my list. Uh, it's just overplayed, and uh, Springsteen, of course, is not quite uh, so. You know. Patriotic. I mean, Lee Greenwood. Um, it's a fine song, and I, I don't dislike the song. And I would, I would not make the argument that it's, you know, nationalistic necessarily. Necessarily, but it's, it's certainly not not the vibe I was going for with my
0: list. It may have been co opted by some nationalistic uh, oh, listeners, I, I, but I, uh, no, the song itself is fine. But there may be one uh, song that does appear in a lot of fireworks show that I did include just okay. for that. But I,
1: I left off the two obvious ones. Okay. Okay. How about yours? Well, uh, you know, um, this is probably the tenth uh, list that I, that I've I've written. Um, in fact, when we first talked about uh, doing Fourth Fourth of July as our our theme, um, I I made the flippant comment that there there were not a lot of songs to choose from, and boy, did that prove uh, <laughs> incorrect for me. Yeah, it, it um, was a
0: moment of inspiration for me because I was kind of looking at the dates when we would drop episodes, and I realized we had planned the home episode, which will be our next. Um, and I thought, boy, this is right around the 4th of July and I pulled out a note card and I literally just jotted down like 12, 13 songs and we, like within five minutes. And I, that's when I texted you and said, we have to do 4th of July. And you said, how are we going to come up with songs? And I'm looking at my list saying, this is the easiest list right. I've ever come up with.
1: And you know, I, uh, well, I, I began listing my songs and my list has changed so many times through the creation of, of what I brought, uh, here and here this morning. Um, no, I I thought long and hard about it. I did not want to just provide a a mixtape of name dropping. I I did not just want America, you know? So, and there are so many American girl, American woman, American baby, kids in America, breakfast in America, living in America. I, I, I didn't want that. Um, what I decided in the end, and it's, it's not all that different from what you just described. I really wanted to give a voice to America. Um, And to do that, I I kind of resigned myself that I had to let go of most of the fun songs, um, unfortunately. But the songs that I chose, I I felt that they really, they encourage an honest conversation about where we've been, where we are, where we want to go. Um, They do talk about what we've achieved, but also how we failed and why so many have turned a blind eye to those failures. Um, And I chose songs that discuss why we celebrate, but also why we continue to protest. Um, I don't think they're... Anti-American by by any means, uh, some are without question protest songs, but I, I really wanted to take pause and encourage you know people to reflect and to think, and I, I, would, I tried to be fair. I, I have songs coming from you know a number of places, a number of genres, stylistically. Um, you know, and, and there is, there's a wide array of opinions presented in the music that I've, that I've chosen. Um, but, but hopefully, you know, the, the listeners will agree it's, it's a fair representation. And I think that, you know, it's, it's good to take this moment, to take the 4th of July and really explore and question, you know, what, what does this country represent? Uh, have we, you know, have we delivered on the promise of the American dream? And, and that's, it's kind of where I where I went.
0: Yeah, it'll be a good mix then because I have some of those songs, but I do also have some, you might, not quite, but flag rallying type songs that are fun songs. Well, like the, I said, there's nothing them, wrong with that. Some of them are like our stories that take place on the 4th of July. So I guess if you were crafting, you know, some type of, of narrative, um, this is going to have some ebbs and flows that are going to be nice because it's not all going to be around one particular, almost like a collection of short stories, uh, if you will, as oh. opposed to maybe a, a novel, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, great analogy. well all right. Well, I think it's your turn to begin. Okay.
1: Why I, don't you start? Let me to go first? first. All right. Well, I, you know, I struggled with number one. I knew that I wanted the song. Uh, the question was, which version was I going to use? Whitney? I think you, you went <laughs> the same direction I went. Yeah. Whitney Houston has the definitive version. Um, uh, I, yeah, I did not, yeah. I did not go with her. Um, I didn't know. I
0: didn't say, I, I would argue that's not the definitive. Oh, you don't think so? Version, I, I, but.
1: I think a lot of musical critics would say that it is. And it, 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 sold millions oh, of, of copies. course it did. It was and, popular. And it actually all proceeds went uh, to charity. Um I, I believe it went to both uh education and uh also to veterans um affairs. But I did not go with Whitney Houston. I, I chose the Star Spangled Banner but I chose the version by Jimi Hendrix that's our first match okay which and, by the
0: way i think the definitive version is roseanne barton no, i'm kidding <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're about to know i think this is the
0: definitive version and again that's that's from my perspective you're right i guess if you were going to look if you were going to poll people uh and say which version is the most memorable to you um maybe they would say Whitney Houston and, and, and it's a killer performance but yeah i think because what we're going to talk about th- this is really the definitive version I, but, I agree go ahead
1: yeah No, i went star spangled banner i'm you know, to set the scene, it was, you know, August 18th, 1969. Hendrix, I believe he was the last performer at Woodstock. Um, I think when he took the stage, you know, a lot of the crowd had already uh, disappeared.
0: Yeah, he was supposed to play Sunday night. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, uh, but he didn't play until Monday morning. So he basically woke everybody up with his set. Right. And it was unusual because he was kind of the headliner. And that's why he was supposed to play, you know, Sunday night. But right. uh, Can you imagine being woken up on your sleeping bag in the mud?
1: To Jimi Hendrix, would oh, be awesome. It would be. Well, you know, he unfurled what has been called by, by a lot of people the, the cultural moment of the 1960s, uh, the defining cultural moment. Um, and he he played this very incendiary um version of the star spangled banner very
0: cacophonous and
1: aggressive at times oh, and other places you know very melodic and on, on absolutely, point absolutely and since that time there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not the song is uh you know patriotic or or whether it is a protest song hendrix was a soldier he yeah. he had returned 101st uh, airborne division i think is yes, where he served. Yeah. yes and he he was uh you know honor, honorably discharged he, he returned home a veteran uh during the vietnam conflict um and when he starts playing the song you know, it it, it starts out, um, you know, very, very normal. It adheres to the traditional melody of the song. The, the song, by the way, it had only been the national anthem for 38 years. At, the at the that official, yeah, the, the national, official yeah.
0: national anthem. And, and I suppose a lot of people at that point, now today we probably wouldn't, There are all sorts of guitar renditions. I know Santana, you know, performed one. But I think back then, too, in 1969, a lot of people, especially the older generation, would find just the fact that it
1: was being played by a rock musician, no matter how conventional, to be disrespectful. Right. Right? Yeah, I I think that would be true. But by the time he got to the rocket's red glare um, in his performance, uh, he unleashed the full force of that white Fender Stratocaster. I mean, the squeals of amplifier feedback and dive bombing on his electric guitars it really began to evoke combat and fighter jets and artillery and ambulance sirens and riots in the streets. Um, you know, it also includes a segue into taps. Yes, it does. Um, you know, the traditional bugle call at at the end of that
0: section. Yeah. uh, Before he returns back to the melody. Exactly. Right.
1: Yeah. So he, he plays taps, which of course is also always played at, you know, a military funeral. It's a three minute, 46 second version of the song. Very long. Um, but, but I think it was the most electrifying uh, moment of Woodstock, and arguably the single greatest moment in, of 1960s counterculture. <laughs> ¶¶ me that that's how you begin the, the, the
0: mix yeah tape. Th- that's how we begin we have our sequence number one I think we're in agreement on that okay. you have to start with the uh, Star Spangled Banner yeah I mean I, I think this also kind of is a perfect example of what I was talking about where it, this song can be viewed um, as I think most people do today as being patriotic and pro-america uh, it's not anti-america but it is anti-war and again there's room for both and so while we can celebrate the flag and we can celebrate the uh like i say the promise of america that isn't to say that everything is perfect in america and that we can't get better and so of course it was a very contentious time when, when so many young men and some women of course were going off to vietnam and not coming home or coming home very changed and um it, it was an opportunity for him without any words at all to make a very strong anti-war statement with just his guitar and um, that's why that's why I like it so much because it, it it holds both of those notions in one you know three and a half minute song.
1: Oh, absolutely, and you know it's timeless. I mean, it is as moving and as meaningful today as it was in '69. So, fifty plus years, and you know the song still it gives me chills when I hear it.
0: All right. Well, okay. That's that's I got to find, I have to find an alternate, and I only have three alternates.
1: Oh, well, I have plenty. If you want to steal from right. me, <laughs> so. I'm gonna go
0: with. I'll just say that three of mine. One one alternate is about the promise of America. One is kind of a fun song that deals with something American, and one is straight out pop tune that's just fun. Okay. But I'm not. I'm. We're not there to fun yet. That, that may come up later. Okay. So I'm going to choose. I'm actually going to go with you two. Mm-hmm. The hands that build America. Okay. And uh, it was actually featured in, it was written for and featured in the film uh, of New York from Martin Scorsese. And by the way, have you seen... Oh, yes. I mean, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is my, I shouldn't say favorite actor because there are a lot of actors I I like, but as far as his acting chops, I think the greatest modern actor of of cinema. Um, Just the fact, I mean, just if you go through all the different roles that he's played, uh, Bill the Butcher has to be one of the greatest villains of all time. But anyway, at the end of the film, if you've seen the movie... They, and of course, it's about it's about immigrants coming to this country and kind of what they have to do to survive. And, and you know, I'll, I'll just say that much about it. But the very end, there's a shot overlooking, I think it's the East River. And it's, it's a shot of, you know, 100 and some years ago when the film took place. And then slowly it begins to modernize. You see the building start to. Oh, it's a it's it's a marvel cinematically. Correct. And, and, and this is the song that plays when that sequence and it kind of rolls into the credits. Um, it, it's. It's poetic, I mean Bono's always poetic, but you know one of the lines of all the promises is this the one we can keep of all the dreams is this one still out of reach and so that really hits home with that american promise sure and and if you mix in immigrants, of course, the American promise definitely it 's what drew people to this country, mm-hmm. drew people to new York and to uh, to um, Ellis Island. And, you know, Bono's question here, like, have have we arrived yet? Of course, he's Irish. He's not an American citizen. But that doesn't disqualify him uh, from from making a statement, especially since he is Irish. And so so many of his people uh, immigrated into the United States and did did great things. And I think the point of his song here, just like a lot of immigration uh, or immigrants, uh, it was their labor. It was their hard labor that built this country, literally, in the sense that they built our buildings and our bridges and our highways and you know, not just the Irish, you know, the Chinese, and of course, don't even get started on, you know, the, <laughs> the sin of America, the original sin of America was slavery. And so the hands that build America are saying, "Hey, <laughs> immigration is what makes this country great. And of course today immigration is still a topic that we're having issues with as a country. So I think this fits uh, this list because it's about the promise of America..
2: Digging in in our pockets For a reason And to say goodbye These are the hands That built America
1: Well, my next song, I decided to go with uh, the the Woody Guthrie penned "This Land Is Your Land." All right, that's our second match. Uh, but I did not choose Woody Guthrie. Oh,
0: okay. okay. Did okay. not choose
1: Woody Guthrie. So we'll have a, face, um, a song face-off. We haven't had one of those. Before. No, we haven't. Um, I, I actually chose the version by Sharon Jones okay. and the Dap Kings. All right. Um, oh yeah. I, I don't know if you're good. I, I How familiar, familiar you are with her? I am. She's, she's um, great. Now Woody Guthrie you know a lot of a lot of people I talk about a misinterpreted song. A lot of people think that this is a a another one of those very patriotic numbers. It was actually a very Marxist response to God Bless America.
0: Well yeah he he was tired of hearing Kate Smith's version of God Bless America on the oh, radio it was incessantly. High rotation yeah. And he wrote this as a response
1: to that. Correct. Right. And and it came um immediately after he had traveled um you know out west. Um Guthrie, he took an extensive, tough, and and very long road trip uh, during the depression um, depression era uh, of the 1930s. He 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 traveled from Texas to Los Angeles and all around him, um, what he found was prejudice and hatred and violence, crowded labor camps, empty stomachs, hungry eyes, um, and and all of that led him to to conclude that heavenly endorsement, God bless you, God bless America, maybe wasn't what America had coming and, and countless people have recorded this song. Um, Bruce Springsteen, of course, uh, you know, Pete Seeger, Bob Dylan, Billy Bragg, but there's something about Sharon Jones version, which I I, I haven't heard her version. Okay. I, I think you're going to be kind of, I, I think you're going to be blown away by it. Honestly. Um, Sharon Jones, uh, for those that, because she's not in the mainstream, well, she's since passed away, right, unfortunately, right. but, but she was a working class soul singer. Um, and, you know, she recorded uh, her version with the backing
0: band. And, and, and fairly modern as oh, well. Oh, put very, that in yeah. perspective. This is, we're not talking like old 60s No, songs. No, no, this, no, This is a modern performance. This,
1: this is, yeah, 21st century. Um, so, you know, basically, she and the Dabkins, they, they use a dark reharmonization of Yankee Doodle Dandy to begin the song, um, or, or rather the intro, I, I suppose. And then the lyrics of the song, the, it, it just, you know, there's this fiery gusto. Of a revolutionary. I and mean, her voice is just raw. And uh, their version also includes all of Guthrie's original verses, many of which. There are
0: yeah. two specifically that, yeah. that he recorded but was never included on the recording that was released. Right. Yeah. And those are the two that were the most. Um, controversial at the time. You know, you say, it, Mar- I read them now, they don't seem controversial at all. I no, mean, no, They're just basically making a statement that uh, there's a whole bunch of people in this country that have been left out, but people did see it as Marxist, and, and so they were removed right. from the recording.
1: Yeah, now Sharon, she, she sings the verses, and, and, you know, she proclaims the song really as an urgent and unambiguous demand for equality and human dignity. Um, especially in a nation that's still rife with social injustice and patriotic hypocrisy. One such verse, uh, it it goes like this. One bright sunny morning, well in the shadow of a steeple, down by the relief office, I saw my people. You know they stood hungry, and I stood wondering. I was wondering if this land was made for you and me. But no, Sharon John, it it has a funky beat to it. I mean, it, it is... You know, soul music, Um and she, she and the Dab Kings—they are a throwback to 1960s soul. I mean, she, she was unlike anything else, which is why they got no, no airplay. I, I, uh, they, you know, they just weren't radio friendly in, in you know, the 2000s. Well,
0: I always considered alternative music because it is alternative it music is. In, the, in the sense that, to me, alternative music has always been music that is is popular but does not receive airplay, and so that fits perfectly in it.
1: Right, but no, I, th- I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. It's, it's a very it's a very cool take of the song.
2: This land it's your land.
0: one we'll see this is on your list I wouldn't be surprised if it is it's one of the uncles I have uh, two of the three I, I did not include Springsteen did you include uh, that was the night I pay in the sky by Jimmy I Buffett? did I did <laughs> all right so so far uh, we have three uh, Wow uh, this this fits my criteria as a song that is um, literally about the 4th of July and you know Buffett has been we talked about this last week a little bit you know criticized for being just party music or you know, music about uh, the beach. And, of course, his catalog is way more versatile than that. You know, he's a, a gifted songwriter. Um, you know, he's a decent singer. He doesn't have a classically good voice, but it fits the music that he's singing. Uh, but sometimes his lyrics, I mean, in fact, he even kind of grew up, if he wasn't a star, a country or rock or whatever star, however, you, you know, he's kind of hard to pigeonhole. Um, he wanted to be a, a writer. He wanted to be an author. Right. And he did eventually write a collection of short stories. He wrote a novel with right. uh, Where's Re- Joe Merchant. Where's Joe Merchant. But sometimes in his songs, he will really... this. You know, there's always sometimes that little country... Because country has always had that story twist type, you know, lyrical... But, but he'll all, always... He'll often take the imagery to a place that where country music doesn't normally go. Correct. And this is an example that has that poeticness that most people aren't familiar with, with Buffett's music. Uh, really, it's just about a story of a guy setting off fireworks on the beach.
1: Yeah, that's, that's all it is. And
0: it's one of those where I, I if I'm ever at the beach on the 4th of July, I know I'm a little bit strange. My family really thinks I'm strange when I do this, but... Maybe one of the reasons why I knew right away we could do a 4th of July playlist is because I've made 4th of July playlists in the past, and I've listened to them. So I've gone on the beach on the 4th of July, watching the fireworks,
1: listening to this specific song. Yeah. That's how much of a geek I am. You know, it's a beautiful song. No. Um, it, it's uh, just the imagery. Uh, you know, he, he the, You know, the line, Independence Day, and all I remember was a midnight rainbow that fell from the sky. As I stand on the beach, I slowly surrender to the child who can't say goodbye. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. Um, and what I love is in the chorus, he actually talks about people putting their, their differences aside and coming together. Yeah,
0: it's kind of a simplistic notion, but it is a call for people to put away their differences. Right. Boy, this summer, this summer, and the last few years, uh, with kind of the vitriol between the two sides, uh, on social media, well, that, that's, a, that's a message that we can all take. Yes, it is. My favorite line is, I think this is, this is maybe the most descriptive for me. Over the mortars they roared in anticipation, preceding the sigh of the uplifted eyes. It showers us all in sulfuric sensation. The colors shine in a fiery rhyme tonight. Oh, that's such a beautiful <laughs> so sulfuric sensation. I mean, yeah. right there, you've got the price of admission. You know, <laughs> uh, the you know the, the size of uplifted eyes. Uh, you know, obviously the eyes can't sigh, but that idea of everyone's looking up and it's right. a you know collective sigh from the group. I mean, a great poet can take you know these grand ideas and put them in right. very few words, and he really hit the nail on the head. Here.
1: Well, and you and I are both English teachers. We could use that verse alone just to teach probably. You know, figurative language, alliteration, and, 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 yes, yeah, and it's all course. it's all there. So, um, no, it's a wonderful tune. It was actually my last, uh, my last song on my list. I, 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 it might be a good one to end with. Yeah, that, and that's yeah. what I was thinking as I was curating the list. Is that you know this would be possibly how I would want to to end the mixtape. Um, so, I have a while before I have to choose an alternate. But no, it definitely made my list.
3: Independence Day, and all I read was a midnight rainbow It fell from the sky As I stand on the beach I slowly surrender To the child in me Who can't say goodbye The rockets in the air And the people everywhere Put away their differences for a while. Oh, I am still a child when it comes to something wild. Oh, that was the night I painted the sky. All right.
1: What's your next one? All right. My next song um, is Lift Every Voice and Sing. Um... Now this song, I you know I'm I'm always surprised there 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 are a lot of people a lot of friends actually uh, in white America that do not know this song. Um, it is considered and and has been I think since 1919. If I yeah 1919 uh, the NAACP actually they 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 basically decided that this was going to be dubbed the Black National Anthem. Um, and, you know, it, it, it is, it didn't start life as a, as a song. It actually um, was a poem written by James Weldon Johnson. Uh, he first recited it at a celebration of Abraham Lincoln's birthday in 1900. Um, and then his brother set it to music five years later. But, but the song, you know, it's a message of struggle and hope, and it's long been attached to the African-American community. Um, and, you know, it's, it's also a prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving for faithfulness and freedom. And the imagery evokes, you know, the biblical exodus from slavery, uh, you know, to the freedom of the promised land. It's featured, uh, it's a hymn. It's featured in 39 different Christian hymnals and it's sung by several Protestant and African-American denominations and churches across the United States. Um, and, um, you know, it, it also was quoted by the Reverend Joseph E. Lowry at Barack Obama's uh, presidential inauguration. So, so the what fe- version? You're killing us with, oh, with uh, suspense oh, here. What I've, version I've did, not said that you yet. You not have tell I, us what version okay. you've chosen. Well, I went with a funky version. because Red, Red Hot Chili Peppers? Oh, okay. oh I, if they recorded it, I might have. <laughs> I do not believe they recorded that <laughs> I do not believe so. No, I went with Brother Ray. I went with Ray Charles.
0: Song. All right. Um, oh, man, we're going to have another face-off. Jeez. Do you have the song as well? Not this song, oh, okay. but Artist face-off.
1: Well, I, I went with Ray Charles. Um... And I, oh, his organ and the sofa vocals on this one, uh, they're paired with a rhythm section that's comprised of sharp and punchy brass. Um, there's, there's a funky guitar riff, a solid backbeat, and it's all punctuated by, by angelic notes from a, a gospel choir behind him.
3: I got something in my bones Make me want to shout hallelujah And I want to sing Sing on. Ah, sing on. <laughs> Woo! all help me! Lift every voice and sing.
1: And he, he basically transforms this you know traditional hymnal into an incredibly funky performance
0: um, which Ray Charles did a lot
1: oh he, he always did but I mean it, it's something you know I, I felt that and not to be divisive I know there are so many people you know they hear black national anthem and immediately you know, that, yeah, know that, yeah you know you know where they all yeah you know where that goes but I mean the song for what it is it's it's patriotic but it also you know it rings true for for the african-american community and Oh, I I do love some Ray Charles, so that's my next pick.
0: All right, well we'll have a we'll discuss uh, Ray here in a little bit too. But before we get, this is another performer that could have been an Uncle. I, I suppose maybe the like the fourth Beatle. This is the fourth Uncle. Um, okay, Paul Simon. Uh, I think we have another match. American Tune. I, I, we have another yeah. match. Oh, Glad night. you have a lot of alternates. <laughs> uh, American Tune is probably the biggest schizophrenic song in the list. Oh yes, uh, because the melody, uh, which was uh, kind of like the melody for This Land Is Your Land, which it's been, you know, it, it originally started as as a hymn. Actually, originally started with Bach. Yeah, and then Hassler kind of did a variation on it, and then German hymnist Paul Gerhardt. Uh, created a hymn in the late 1800s. And so um, Paul Simon took this melody and he created this song called American Tune. So much like uh, Born in the USA, it's very easy to hear this song, which is a very nice, pleasant melody, and, li- and listen to the, or see the title, and just assume that it's a, a purely patriotic song. Right. Um, I do believe it's patriotic. I believe it's a song of hope. But really, it's a song of, of frustration, uh, of again, again of, of immigrants. Uh, Paul Simon himself is a son of, uh, he's, he's actually, a, I believe, a, a Jewish his parents were Jewish yeah he's, he's Hungarian yeah he's
1: Jewish. he's he's Jewish and you have Hungarian descent yeah. right right, right. And,
0: and so you know he himself his first generation I don't know what you call it, his parents were immigrants so he's I guess first generation, first generation born born yeah. and you know living in New York City where obviously Paul Simon grew up and so he kind of like on that idea of the gangs of New York I mean he grew up I mean there's probably no more richly diverse section of the country with, with immigration at least at this time back back then when he wrote this in the 70s the new york city right you know, now you can make an argument for the west and and, and florida but uh, at that point especially european immigration um was very defined Oh, absolutely. i mean we're lucky enough i mean when we grew up here in ohio i mean we had friends that were irish and and italian and, and german and you know to, to us we didn't really see those differences you know i used to be surprised when i hear people from my grandparents generation say i can't believe You know that person. You know, Italian doesn't marry a Greek or something ridiculous like that, right? right? But those divisions. I mean, you had little neighborhoods, and you know, and they would celebrate their call, which is good that they would you know celebrate their heritage. But it was, I think, a little more defined than it is here. Oh yeah. And so he wrote this uh, song just about you know the promise of America maybe not delivering. You know, he says you know they they come on a ship they call the Mayflower, they come on a ship that sailed the moon. We come in the age's most uncertain hour and we sing an American tune. And so, again, that uncertain hour. And the hope comes, though, he says, tomorrow is going to be another working day.
1: Now, see, it's interesting because I don't find that hopeful necessarily. Okay. I've always had a slightly different interpretation. Um, and it's on my list. I mean, it, and you know. America is the refuge and, and the great melting pot. That that shows up in Simon's music, dating back to the earliest days of Simon and Garfunkel. Um, but you know the lyrics, and I don't know a soul who's not been battered. I don't have a friend who feels at ease. I don't know a dream that's not been shattered or driven to its knees. But it's all right. It's all right we've lived so well so long still when I think of the road we're traveling on I wonder what went wrong
0: and then he has the whole the whole dream right of the statue, statue of Liberty, Liberty drifting out to sea which right. is a great great image
1: but the closing lines I you know I've, I've, I don't know that I've found it optimistic because he's questioning the entire song you know where do we go wrong you know what's wrong with the country that you know everybody is unhappy we're, we've not reached that that American dream that we've been promised and then to me the closing lines when when he he concedes that he doesn't have time to wait for an answer to these questions uh, because tomorrow is another working day and he needs his rest to me it, it's so characteristic it's it's kind of like a somber reminder of you know the uninformed and the indifferent citizenry that that don't question and and don't research and and perhaps don't even vote because they turn a blind eye to social ills that don't concern them because they're they're caught up in their own lives. And so when he says, you know, tomorrow's another working day and I've got to go get get rest, to me, that's not hopeful. I don't know a soul who's not been battered. I don't have a friend who
2: feels at ease. I don't know a dream that's not been shattered or driven to. Need oh but it's alright, it's alright for we lived so well so long Still when I think of the road we're traveling on I wonder what's
0: gone wrong I can't help it I wonder What's going on? You're reading the song correctly. I'm, I'm seeing hope in it. You I'm not saying ho- okay. Paul Simon necessarily. The, okay. the nar- I should say the narrator of this song. Correct. I mean, he's kind of having an existential moment, this narrator. Right. We talk about it all the time. A lot of people say we have a, a lot of mental um, illness now because we have time to just sit around and think, right. and, and, and really bathe in our self-awareness. Uh, you didn't have as much time, especially without all, all the technology and the change in the, in the economy. And so if you're a hardworking immigrant, especially with hard labor, you're coming home exhausted every night, uh, you're having your meal, you know, playing with your kids maybe for a few hours, and, and then it's back to another working day. And so the narrator does have this moment that maybe is rare, where he looks around and he begins to think about his place in this country and, and as an immigrant, And then realizes, I don't have time to think about this, right? And that is kind of sad because, but the hope I see in this song is that you know, the immigrants, they, they, they went back to work and they continued to work. And again, going back to the U T song, they built this country and it took generations. But because they continued to work hard, because they never gave up, because they never lost hope in the American dream. It may not have been in his generation, the narrator's generation. It may have been his kid's generation or, or their grandchildren. But they continued to forge forward on that American dream, working hard, hoping someday it would pay off. I and see that, I, and I think you, you can make an argument. Again, we talked about there are a lot of people in this country that still don't have equal access. But I think a lot of the immigrants from Europe, let's say a hundred and hundred fifty years ago, um, have much more equal access to the American dream today than they would. In fact, a lot of people will would just put them in one big group and call them Caucasian. Right. You know, these are the people that experience you know that benefit from white privilege. Now, some of those were descendants of immigrants that you know, that did not have that type of privilege and would now look ahead and probably be very happy that their hard work paid off. So it's sad that it took so long for so many people to have a a buy-in with the American dream. But I see hope in the fact, this is from our perspective in the future, knowing that because that immigrant continued to work and continued to look forward for his family, we now have a better country. Okay. All right. So I think that was that was my selection. So I think it's your
1: selection now. All right. Well, my next one here, I do go uh, patriotic. Um, this is a song I think people would expect uh, from a a Fourth of July playlist. Uh, Chicken Fried by the Zac Brown Band. The song begins as a tribute to to Brown's home state of Georgia, and it features a a grocery list of, of southern comforts. You know, I was raised underneath the shade of a Georgia pine. And that's home, you know, sweet tea, pecan pie and homemade wine where the peaches grow. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's just a feel good and, you know, it's upbeat, feel good song uh, celebrating, you know, the American South. But it soon grows into something more. It's a sincere thank you to those who who served and gave their lives for our freedoms because there's there's that refrain. Um, or, or I suppose you know, it's a verse. I uh, Just another verse of the song. But um, I thank God for my life. And for the stars and stripes, may freedom forever fly, let it ring, salute the ones who died, the ones that gave their lives so we don't have to sacrifice all the things we love like our chicken fried. Um, And he he penned the song uh, on the anniversary of 9-11. He was living with a marine friend at the time. And he said that, you know, he just had the epiphany that because the song started life just as, you know, a feel-good number about, you know, how wonderful it was to to come from G.A. and But then he stopped and, and really gave pause and considered, you know, all these luxuries, all these things that I love, there's a price, there's a cost. I thank God for my life and for the stars and stripes
3: May freedom forever fly Let it ring Salute the ones who die The ones that give their lives So we don't have to sacrifice all the things we love, like our chicken fries and cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just right, and the radio. I oh, oh, oh. like to see the sun see the love in my mama's eyes, feel the touch of a precious child, and know a mother's love. It's a little
1: chicken fry To me, it's it's you know, it's, it's incredibly patriotic, but it, it's in, it's not pandering. It's, it, he's not, you know,
0: this isn't Toby Keith. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to offend some <laughs> listeners. I apologize. No. Um,
1: but I mean, to me, it's just, you know, the message of the song just rings true and, and it becomes an essential recording, I think for any July 4th, uh, mixtape it's, it's, it's this sometimes all the little things get taken for granted and we need reminding about the things that really matter and who sacrificed to make sure that we have them. and, yeah, to me it's just it's a excellent wonderful choice. song
0: excellent choice like, like I said a lot of the co-workers that I hang around with sometimes in the summertime will have some get-togethers and uh, a lot of them are country fans and there are a lot of we, we you know talked about some of the other Zach Brown songs um, this is definitely one that comes up uh, on the, the, the mixtape or the playlist or whatever or, we're listening to that everyone sings along to. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows this number. It's a classic. That's a great, great inclusion, because really, Fourth of July, among the fireworks, we've already talked about the fireworks show aspect of the celebration, but kind of like Memorial Day and Labor Day, it's a day for picnics for a lot of people, oh, yeah. pool parties and picnics and barbecues, uh, barbecues. Yeah. And this really conjures up those images of a family and friends and neighbors getting together, celebrating the birth of our nation uh, with some great food.
1: Yep, I I I just think you know it was yeah. it was one of the few songs that I never never changed. I mean, it's been on my my That's list from the one. beginning. That's so. a great one.
0: All Excellent. right, your turn. Next one. Um, I'm sure that you knew this was probably going to be number one on my list, uh, just being the first one I would think of because Fourth of July is in the title. This is another Uncle song, mm-hmm. and this continues our streak of Springsteen on every single episode we've done. <laughs> so we should probably re you know cast this as the Springsteen podcast and mixtape show. Um, This, of course, is 4th of July, Asbury Park, subtitled Sandy. Sandy, yes. And this song uh, came on a second album, 1973, The Wild, The Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle, and Springsteen had not yet become a household name. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked last week about the AOR, the album-oriented rock stations, and and they were playing Springsteen. So they were playing songs from his first album, which was *Greetings from Asbury Park* and this one as well. But it wasn't until two years later that *Born to Run* would really right uh, be the you know, the breakthrough. Where he'd appear on *Newsweek* and *Time* in the same week and and all of that, where he'd become seemingly an overnight success. Although he put years and years of work into it, um, but the first two albums really, and I think with any artist, you can you can see. The Evolution, um, U2 is great with that. I mean, they had their uh, spiritual phase and their political phases and, you know, so on, their European dance phase. Well, with uh, Springsteen, you had, you know, before he became political, before he kind of championed the working man, it was all about the boardwalk culture where he not only grew up, but then, of course, uh, started, he joined a band when he was very young and then formed his own bands and really honed his craft by playing almost every single night in these small clubs like the Stone Pony. Right. And Asbury Park is in northern New Jersey, and it's like a lot of those seaside towns that has a boardwalk, that has amusement park rides and concessions and prizes and games. And it's a family. But now Asbury Park now, it's been a while since I've been there. It's, you know, it's a little bit rougher than maybe it was at the time when he was writing about it. But they're always working on trying to revitalize, you know, and make it what it used to be. Um, But this song is just one of those literally about the 4th of July where it takes place on the 4th of July and it begins with the narrator watching the fireworks and talking to this girl. And really, the song's just about a guy trying to spend the evening with
1: with a young lady
0: and and rationalizing, see my PG 13 (laughs) version, rationalizing why she should spend some time with him. Sandy,
2: the fireworks are hailing over Little Eden tonight. Forcing and a light And all those stony faces Left stranded on this warm July Down in time the circuits fall a switch blade lovers So fast, so shiny, so sharp As the wizards play down on pinball
3: way On the boardwalk way past dark and the boys from the casino dance with their shirts open like Latin lovers on the shore chasing all them silly New York virgins
2: by the score.
0: You, can, you listen to it, and you mentioned last week too, this is the time period where Springsteen was really... I mean, stanzas and stanzas, almost Dylan esque. And yes. the amount of lyrics he was writing, very, very descriptive. It
1: always felt to me like he was trying to craft a rock opera. You yes. Know? He, he was you know, yeah. in, inspired by the Who's Tommy, and he just kind of went with it. Um, right. So, right. And, and yeah,
0: and, and what, a lot of people feel like this is this song too, where he it kind of signals the end of the boardwalk phase. You know? oh. there, there's a line where he says, You know that tilt a whirl down by the South Beach drag? I got it on last night, got on it last night, and my shirt got caught. Uh, they kept me spinning, didn't think I'd ever get off. And, you know, you can take that at face value that he was stuck on a ride. I see that as a metaphor for he can't be playing the boardwalk for his entire life. He can't be singing about the boardwalk for the rest of his career. In fact, later in the song, he says this boardwalk life for me is through. Right. Uh, we have to get out. And, of course, the next album then is Born to Run, Getting Out of New Jersey. So it's it's not <laughs> difficult to follow Um, the evolution there but it's the sights and the sounds and the smells of this carnival life that he describes nothing more 4th of July than spending it with somebody you at least like in this case uh, maybe love and you know on the boardwalk
1: and Sandy girl is his and Sandy's
0: a girl yeah by the way it's been girl of choice it was covered by the Hollies uh, air supply uh (laughs) I've not heard that version. No, I, I'll see if I can dig I'm it up familiar for, with the, that one. for the playlist. I don't know um, that I want to hear it. Most famous, well, Benny King was was a right. version. Yeah, Benny King as well. And out, yes. um, just any Kiss fans out there, I'm a unapologetic Kiss fan. Uh, Paul Stanley was a fan of actually the Holly's version of the song, and so he wrote his version, Shandy, based on right Sandy
1: that I knew. Yeah, no, I it, I love the song. Oh, I, I I absolutely love the song. You know, the, the Aurora rises behind us. I mean, it's it's just. It was, the, there's only one reason it didn't make my list and that's because I knew it made yours <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean I, I feel we didn't need another match and there, I I knew from the moment I started writing my song list yeah you knew that was yeah, gonna it was going to be on yours so I didn't have to include it it's, the other, um, it's one
0: of those that I listen to on the beach if oh, I happen to be there on the 4th of July and,
1: and why wouldn't you I mean it captures the boardwalk Flawlessly, and you know he talks about you know the greasers, uh, you know sleeping on the beach. He talks about the fortune tellers getting getting arrested because she tells better fortunes than, than is, they do. Yeah, these, these um, places
0: were actually places on oh, oh, yeah. the Gasbury Party. Yeah, it's Portland, it's yeah.
1: very autobiographical, and he is you know he's in the shadows, and you can just feel his his concession. He's he's resigned himself. He's tired of it. He wants. He wants independence. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to break free. And certainly, you know, you have the beach, you have the fireworks, it's on the 4th of July. But just that individual pursuit to get out, to break free, to, to find your voice and to, you know, seek your, your independence. Hey, I, that that is the 4th of July. So, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't even think
0: about the independence twist, but you yeah. brought that around there, too. So yeah. it's his independence from the boardwalk. Right. Or his declaration of independence. Uh, correct. From the boardwalk. He... he, he Ends up escaping next album. Yeah. No, perfect choice. All
1: right. All right. Well, my next song, uh, this artist is often compared to Springsteen. Um, oh,
0: I think we have another match here. He, uh, this is one of my alternates.
1: He uh, <laughs> He's from a rural town in Indiana. It's definitely. And uh, he, he yep. always writes about the American experience. Yep. His work is often not only compared to Springsteen, but also misinterpreted, yep. like like Springsteen's is. Um, you know, a closer listen always reveals the lyrics— Deal more with the challenges of, of living in America. He actually has a few songs. I'm talking about John Mellencamp, of yes, course. about okay, yeah. John Mellen, um, John Cougar, John, John Mellencamp, right. John Mellencamp. Well, it was his, it was his. Um, his agent. His agent uh, that made agent. him Johnny Cougar. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there are a few songs here, and you know, I a part of me really wanted to go R.O.C.K. in the U.S.A. I didn't, um, even though I think it would have fit. You know, it would have been good fit. But to me, the, the obvious choice was Pink Houses.
0: Which is another one that Ronald Reagan tried to co-opt yes. as a campaign song, along with "Born in the USA," right. because he didn't listen to the actual verses.
1: Right. It, it is not. Yeah, it's not anti-American. No, no, I, no, I wouldn't even say it's a protest song, but but certainly, Mellencamp, you know, he expresses you know how the middle classes, you know, that. They're just being forgotten. They're being left behind. I mean, just just that that lyric. It's kind of
0: a modern, this land is your land. It it is. extra verses, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, well, there's a young man in a T-shirt listening to a rock and rolling station. He's got greasy hair, a greasy smile. He says, Lord, this must be my destination. But then the twist, because they told me when I was younger, saying, boy, you're going to be president, but just like everything else, those old crazy dreams just kind of came and went. Kind of like American tune in a way. Very much, yeah. Yeah. and do you remember when MTV, when this song released, MTV ran a contest? No, I don't. Um, oh,
0: did they get your house painted pink or no, something? No, not painted. You they, won, a, you won uh, a...
1: There was a contest they I were going to give in, away yeah. a pink house, right? Yeah. And then Rolling Stone, I mean, this is MTV in the, in the earliest days, Rolling Stone ran an article because they discovered the pink house they were giving away was across the street from a uh, toxic waste dump. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> okay? Well, so then MTV, they, they, they ran out John Sykes at the network then had to to run out. He found a, a a new house, a better house, and they had to paint it pink. Right, um, the ordeal. It was one of the the many strange but true memories of the earliest days of MTV. But what's what I love is that according to Sykes, the house near the the waste dump, it stayed on the books at MTV until 1992 because they couldn't. They couldn't unload it. They couldn't get rid of the, couldn't, couldn't, the yeah, house. Couldn't burn it down. Da- burn it down. Or, they yeah. Well, not next to Arson. a toxic waste dump. You don't oh, burn, it, might be, might <laughs> burn it down. But no, I, pink houses. You know, you know, in that America for you and me. I mean, it, it's just, um, you know, it, it's the perfect tune.
2: And there's a woman
3: in the kitchen Clean up the evening's slime. And he looks at her and says Hey darling, I can
2: remember when you could stop a cloud Oh, but ain't that America For you and me Ain't that America Something to see, baby Ain't that America Home on the free Yeah Little pink houses For you
0: and me I did not choose pink houses You didn't? And, and it's an alternate for me Now I can't you, use it I'm not saying I can't because I'm bummed, just that limits my choices because I had very few alternates Where, beginning. Where'd of. you go? I went to ROCK in the USA.
1: You did? Okay. And, and, I,
0: and I went that way because it's his ode to kind of the 60s bands. Mm-hmm. But it's the spirit of it. Basically, the, the premise is you have, you know, these people from all around the country, from the city, you know, and in the rural areas. Some are black, some are white, not too proud to sleep on the floor tonight. Yep. Um, they were just the hopes and dreams of becoming rock and roll stars. And willing to pay the price and, and go on tour with no money at all, and to play. And of course, he even name drops several of the 60s oh, yeah. artists yes. that were inspirations to him that paved the way for him to do what he does.
3: In in the
0: so again, it's that an American promise, but this time through the lens of you know rock and roll.
1: Right, and you know I, I had it for the longest while. I had R L C K instead of Pink Houses, and then I I finally just, you know, I I thought I had to go the other way. And I thought I would save RLCK and the USA for another playlist. I figured we're going to talk about rock and roll music at some point. Exactly.
0: um, And let me say, I I, I like Pink Houses better as a song. I prefer it as a song, so I'm glad you put it in there. Yeah. All right, so I believe it's my turn to come up with a song. It is. And my next song was This Land Is Your Land. And, of course, uh, we've already discussed that song, and I'm going to defer to Alan because I'm really anxious to hear the Sharon Jones and the Dab Kings version of this song. Okay. So now I'll, I'll put the classic, uh, of course, on the um, mentioned songs and alternates uh, playlist on Spotify so you can hear it. I mean, it's an old old recording, uh, but it's uh, just to hear Woody Guthrie sing it himself, it's just, uh, you know, it's a treat. Uh, so I now, my one alternate I already used, which was U2. My second alternate was John Mellencamp. So this leaves my last song, which I really thought I wouldn't have to use. Um, but boy, if you wanted a fun song, if you really wanted to break up, if you wanted a contrast to all of the, uh, questioning of the American dream, do you have any idea where I'm going with this?
1: Uh, I could be a few. So I'm, I i do not want to guess because I can, I can think of three or four. I'll just say
0: working at a middle school, this (laughs) song (laughs) was huge and we would go down to camp uh, for outdoor education and and we would all sing it as a group. Put your hands up. We still sing it as a group. Um, I'm not ashamed to say that I have some guilty pleasures. It's one of
1: mine. Gail laughs at me all the time because I sing along when it comes on the radio.
0: We're talking about Party in the USA, performed by Miley Cyrus. It was uh, originally written actually by Jesse J. Um, She did not include it on her debut album because she felt it didn't fit her. She wanted kind of an edgier vibe or a darker vibe to her music. And so, um, you know, they they pitched it to to Miley and she loved it. So she made it uh, one of the songs, probably one of the definitive songs of that decade. This might be a tough one to sequence, but I think we'll find a place for well, it. We'll, we'll find a place. We for will.
1: It. Yeah, I, I had a feeling it was. It was. There were three <laughs> songs that I thought you 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 might be on your way to. That was definitely one of them. So.
0: So now I'm I'm officially out of alternate. So I might be actually uh, looking at your list at some point.
1: My next song. I, we are going to have all three of our uncles on this playlist. Um, my next song is Allentown by Billy Joel. Yeah. Okay. I see that. Um, and you know, I for me when the going gets tough the tough starts singing you know and that's always kind of how it's been um there's no no greater outlet for you know emotions and certainly not when when you're talking about the american dream than than music and allentown it's no different it actually you know if we're talking topical circumstances what happens in the song is no different than what we're experiencing right now and that is you know a a severe recession um the song is. It started life. He he actually began uh, writing a song called Levittown, which of course is where he's from in Long Island, um, and felt that you know there just was nothing there. Um, so then he decided he was going to go uh, with with Allentown, um, but he's not actually writing about. The, the city of Allentown, Pennsylvania. He's writing about the city next door, which is Bethlehem. Right. Um, because uh, basically, Bethlehem Steel. Bethlehem didn't, didn't phonetically
0: fit the no, name as well. Well, not
1: only that, not only did he say that Allentown was an easier rhyme, but he was also afraid if he titled it Bethlehem, people would confuse it for a Christmas song. Right. So um, he went with Allentown, and, um, you know, it, it's largely about the Bethlehem Steel Company um, when they finally. You know, they started furloughing uh, furloughing their, their employees. They started uh, cutting jobs until finally they they closed their doors. And that was a huge blow. I mean, it was not unlike any of the industries, any of the factories closing in the 1970s and 1980s. But, you know, that entire area, the, the Lehigh Valley, it was so um, dependent On Bethlehem Steel, and when it closed, I mean, you just saw the rust. That that was the beginning of the Rust Belt, right? You know, Um, and it it had a long history. Bethlehem Steel, um, especially dating back to World War II, as much as seventy percent of all airplane cylinder forgings, one quarter of the armor plate for warships, and one third of the big cannon forgings for the U.S. armed forces were turned out by Bethlehem Steel, and the company was responsible for building nearly one fifth of the U.S. Navy's two-ocean fleet. you know, and then eventually it just it went belly up. Um, but I also love how the song, it traces generationally um, just, you know, that failed American dream, the failed promise. Uh, the song, you know, it, that timeline, it begins uh, with, you know, the World War II generation, the, the boomers. You know, our fathers fought the Second World War, uh, spent their weekends on the Jersey Shore, met our mothers in the USO, asked them to dance, dance with them slow. And then it proceeds to, to to then jump into the Vietnam era, you know. Every child had a pretty good shot to get at least far as far as their old man got. Something happened on the way to that place. They threw an American flag in our face, um, but but to me it just it speaks it speaks volumes about you know, especially Appal- you know Appalachia. It talks about just all the problems facing. Um, the nation, and, and as I said, it's very timely. And you know, here in Star County, we we have a history not unlike.
0: Oh well, yeah, we're the part Libelli. we're part of the Rust Belt. Absolutely, it's still something we're dealing with as you know the economy transitions right. from a you know factory based economy yeah. to something
1: different. And and you know, Diebold, Republic Steel, the Hercules plant, um you know Hoover, Timken. I mean, when you think. Of all these factories that of course made the change during world war ii for the war effort and uh it, it's just you know look where look where all those factories are now and how many are gainfully employed from them um you know it's definitely a song that we and anyone in the rust belt can identify with the song opens with the blowing of a factory steam whistle of course and then it's immediately followed by the sound of a rolling mill um, which is used to convert steel ingots into i-beams and during during the industrial boom of the Bethlehem Steel Corporation, this sound was heard all over the Lehigh Valley area. But of course, if you go there today, you don't hear it anymore. Um, and there's a there's a chord, um, a discordant, uh, if you will, sound that at the start of the song that Billy Joel admitted was a mistake. Um, but he liked the sound, so he kept it. <laughs> it's just very powerful in fact my favorite lyric of the song uh, i'm living here in allentown and it's hard to keep a good man down but i won't be getting up today and it's you know I, I think that just speaks speaks to to what a lot of people are feeling now what they felt then and hopefully not what i think a lot of people are going to be feeling tomorrow. well you, yeah you, you
0: know it's been pretty clear that um the blue collar workers of America who were traditionally, obviously union people, traditionally democratic voters, at least in, in the last 50 years or so or more um, felt dis- very disenfranchised and felt like their party, uh, you know, took them for granted. And a lot of them crossed over and, and voted for Trump and, and hoping that he would bring back manufacturing jobs. And so a lot of people, you know, have a hard time sometimes relating to, that you know economically challenged um, white lower middle class yes and there's a lot of frustration there and there's a lot of there are a lot of people that don't see a lot of hope and so you know we need to not ignore that faction of our country as well and this song is a perfect example of that all right this one is a song by indigo girls which seems to pop up a lot and you know they are one of my favorite duos Uh, This is one of those songs uh, that is literally taking place on the 4th of July. And it's called uh, Three County Highway, which came out in 2006 off their uh, Despite Our Differences album. One thing about Indigo Girls, you know, they had their moment commercially in the early 90s. um, Closer to Fine, Galileo, they had a few hits. But then, you know, they kind of dropped off most people's radar. Uh, They've continued to put out material. They just released their latest album about three weeks ago. They continue to release material, and I think they have gotten stronger. I still love the old stuff. Usually, it's the opposite. Usually, like with Springsteen and Joel, I prefer the, the early stuff when right. they were really young and passionate, before they became dad rock, right? Uh, Indigo Girls continue to just hone their craft. Um, they're always very poetic. They're, the, the harmonizing between the two, you know, uh, Amy Ray is more from the punk tradition. Husker Du, um, Emily is more of the you know the balladier and. She's the, she the classically trained um, guitarist. And, man, the two of them just, you know, they both have solo albums and they're very good. But when the two of them come together, and even though they write separately, like Leonard when McCartney, when they, when they come together and they range together and they put their songs uh, together, it's just, I, I mean, I would argue, you know, if you liked that stuff back then, if you liked Galileo and Close to the Fine, check out some of their more recent albums. And I say more recent, in the last 20 years, you know. Right. Because they released sure. one about every, you know four or five years but um, despite our differences is a great album this one's called three county highway and like I say it literally takes place on the fourth of July and this is an Amy Ray song so the lyrics go I drive a three county highway and every one of them towns got a fireworks show it's fourth of July and I'm now getting home on the horizon I can see them all unfold now this image I, I remember listening to this album and, and again I don't pay attention to lyrics as much although I do usually with indigo girls But I didn't really understand the full kind of power of this lyric until one summer we were driving to the coast. And when you get to, you know, South Jersey, I suppose, anywhere along the coastline, you have a lot of really flat, almost like swampland before you actually get to the coast. A lot of them are little islands and they're connected by bridges. And we were coming into town at night around 930, 10 o'clock. So we traveled all day and we were traveling on the 4th of July. And I looked over to the right and I could see a firework show and I looked a little more to the left. and I I saw probably about four or five, maybe six different firework shows going on in the distance from all these different little coastal towns. And it was it was crazy. It was it was beautiful just to be able to see all that at one time, if you can kind of imagine that (laughs) along the, the horizon. And so this is what she's talking about. In this case, it's in Georgia. She actually wrote the song. The song is really about coming home, which would fit with next week's episode. Right. But it's about coming home after being on tour for a long time. And finally, you know, as as much as it's kind of like a vacation. Sometimes you can't wait to to get on vacation, but sometimes you're ready to come back home. Yes. And when you get close and you start to get that, that feeling where, yep, it's time to get back into the routine. And so really, it's a song about that. But it also, the fact that it has that beautiful image. I always listen to it on the 4th of July for the same reason. It's got a really nice vibe. It's slower. It's got a really nice vibe, and I think it fits on the list. I drive
2: a three-county highway Everyone in town's got a firework show It's 4th of July and I'm just now I'm getting home I'm On the horizon, I can see them all unfold Everything I kept and what I never should have thrown away. I wanted you for all those
1: yesterdays. I remember flying one one fourth of July holiday and seeing the fireworks from above. That, that was that oh, was pretty cool. yeah. yeah, that was yeah. that was pretty crazy. But no, the Indigo Girls, you know, I've always felt, you know, I, I wish more people knew their music. Um they're such a lyrical powerhouse, and you know, in college rock stations. You know, in the early '90s, like you said, I mean, they they became just just a a staple of of the the culture, and they did eventually kind of find their way into the mainstream. Shortly, it was it was very short lived, but no, I I every time that you you talk into Go Girls, um, you know, I, I I'm not I love their music. I'm not as familiar with their full catalog as you are, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm never going to question your choice. I mean, they are just so, so good. Yeah. And, yeah. and their harmonies are, you know, they blend so forcefully.
0: If you're going to start with uh, one of the more recent albums, um, go with uh, All That We Let In. You know, if you want to introduce yourself, reintroduce yourself to the Indigo Girls, or if you haven't listened to it all, um, start with All That We Let In. Um, as some of the newer stuff. And if you haven't heard of them at all, I would say start back with probably Rites of Passage. Right, yeah, I would definitely um, like go no Rites of Passages. Or, or Swamp Ophelia. Right. Yeah, you know, you're, you're likely to hear a lot of Indigo Girls along the way just because they have such an expansive catalog and because they've covered such a diverse range of subjects that they'll be a go-to, I think, along with the uncles. All Maybe right. we should have the Aunt too. The Aunt.
1: <laughs> all right, your turn. All right. Well, my next song was American Tune. I will find a replacement for that here coming up but um the next song that i have on my list proper is american pie by don McLean. it is the longest number one in in rock and roll history at eight minutes and 32 seconds did you have to flip sides on the 45 you did it was actually fairly common practice for for a lot of longer longer songs it's bad enough in the
0: day when you had to go change a record after one side but can you imagine one song having to turn it over right. in the
1: middle yeah uh, the single was actually in you know the 45 It was split into yeah two halves uh side a was four minutes um uh, Four minutes eleven seconds, if I remember, and side B was four minutes thirty-one seconds. Um, but it was the age of AOR right. uh, radio stations, so they played you know the the song in its entirety from the from the album. Nineteen seventy, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so which AOR which, is just kind of yeah.
0: getting off the ground, right? Yeah.
1: Which yeah, and if you were a radio uh, personality, you would loved songs like this, especially AOR format, because it gave you a chance to go enjoy your smoke break, AOR, or smoke break, <laughs> whatever you wanted to do. Um, but American Pie. Um, oh boy Don McLean said that when he wrote the song he, he really had in mind a theory that popular music and politics move in parallel um, and uh, he believed that you could tell the story of political history by telling the story of its contemporary popular songs and vice versa and I don't I mean, in the song I, I think he demonstrates that you
0: know, well, perfectly much better than we didn't start the fire oh, uh, yes, I'll say that um,
1: But he uh <laughs> You know, in the song, every verse is darker than the last. Yes. And it projects the direction that he saw America heading. Um, and he he also stated as recently as 2019 um, that he felt America had indeed gone the way that he had predicted. Um, and in 2019, in an interview with Fox News, he said very specifically, um, he addresses one part of the song's chorus, and that was the good old boys. He said... Are always there, and then he made an analogy that I think is just perfect. He said they're they're always singing bye bye Miss American Pie, as though they're fiddling while Rome is burning, and you know, and that's just I, that's not a wake up call. I, I don't know what it is. The original manuscript uh, for American Pie it it sold in 2015 at an auction at Christie's in New York. His manuscript sold for 1.2 million dollars. Can you believe that? Not bad. Um, but I love in in the uh, in the catalog, he wrote the catalog description for for the manuscript. He wrote, Don McLean, basically in American Pie, and this is a quote, things are heading in the wrong direction. It is becoming less idyllic. I don't know whether you consider that wrong or right, but it is a morality song in a sense. I was around in 1970, and now I am around in 2015. There is no poetry and very little romance in anything anymore, so it really is like the last phase of American Pie. I met a girl who
2: sang the blues,
1: He admits that the song is about Buddy Holly. Right? right, right. But he has never said what the lyrics are about because he's always preferred to let listeners That's the way it should be. make their own interpretations. And of course, we, we know some of them. The King is Elvis. The Jester is Bob Dylan. Um, you know the
0: the band was the Beatles. Yeah, the sergeants the and, and the
1: quartet both right, in right, different right. different stages of their career. You have uh, the Father Son and the Holy Ghost was JFK, and, RFK, and then yeah. Dr. Martin Luther King right. Jr. All the, all the
0: initial right. initials right.
1: The girls, the girls sang the blues was Janice Joplin, and you know everybody's in there from Joe Namath to Charles Manson. Even you know, even the, the details of the 1968 Democratic Convention and right. what a nightmare that was. But I, I just want to, and I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this song because we could do a podcast on American Pie. We could. We could. But the, the lyrics are so layered that I, I just want to kind of walk through one, one verse if I can. Okay, sure. Okay. Um, I, wa- I want to call your attention. It's later in the song. He says, Jack Flash sat on a candlestick because fire is the devil's only friend. Okay, just to give you an idea so of how, how layered this is. Okay. Wh- yeah, one, one, um, one interpretation is that he's referencing Mick Jagger, right? Okay, jumping Jack Flash. Um, and Jag- specifically, Jagger's performance of Sympathy for, for the, the Devil, devil right. at this, the Aldermont Speedway uh, free concert, where violence between the Hells the Angels Hells security Angels, right, and right. and the fans ended in the murder of Meredith Hunter and then three right. subsequent accidental deaths. But others have interpreted that same lyric to be a reference to the space program. Okay? Because and, and specifically its role that it played in the Cold War between America right, and the right, Soviet right. Union. Because, um, you know... Candlestick. Well, the, well before that, Jack Flash, um, John Glenn, to his friends, was Jack. Right. Okay? He was the first um, man, gar- to, orbit the man, earth, man right. to orbit the Earth. And then paired with Flash, an allusion to fire... And then with the other image of a rocket launch, the candlestick, right? Sat on a candlestick, the takeoff, which then pulls the whole theme together with, because fire is the devil's, in this interpretation the devil is Russia, the devil's only friend. The fire being nuclear. Because it was nuclear and Russia had beaten America to manned orbital flight. Hmm. So I mean, actually, yeah, it's really, the song is just so incredible to me, because I am a lyrics lyrics guy, lyrics first. But there is no song that so wildly captures that the turmoil of you know the 1960s. I mean, you're talking about the loss of American innocence, and then this this you know void, this this chasm, if you will. With a where, really
0: catchy refrain that everybody can sing to. Yeah, it's.
1: I mean, it, I think it really bears witness to the change, the evolution, what what our country, uh, just the change that took place, and and when America really kind of diverged I and mean, there was a fork in the road and we had we had two roads to travel the 60s changed it all. Right. and right now if you turn on the tv it's the 1960s all over again and we're we're arguing the same exact yeah. you know yeah i'm done same playing, things i
0: mean arguably i mean we, we love billy joel but billy joel he's had his moments lyrically we talk about that in allentown That was a nice lyric but you know i mean that's it's not think he was more of a he was a music first kind of guy. Yeah, he always wrote the music first. He struggled a lot with lyrics. You know, like I say, sometimes he he kind of hit it out of the park. But you know, we didn't start the fire, which is overplayed anyway, and I can't listen to it ever again in my life. But you know, <sighs> I could I could
1: I still I still find myself enjoying it.
0: It's yet. just a just a list of things that happened, which is fine. But Don McLean, you know, doesn't just give us a list. He gives us and like the example you stated there, he gives us a cryptic set of metaphor and illusion. That we could talk about for an entire podcast. Oh, we like could you mentioned, and so. It would
1: actually probably be a lot of fun, yeah. <laughs> but we're not going to do that, folks. But it. it uh,
0: well, and there's a history too, and, and we'll yeah. move on here in a second. But there's a history between Al and I in this song because uh, we we both worked on the high school newspaper, yes. the Saxton at McKinley High School where we graduated, and I believe we did a did a centerfold type of feature story where we actually went through and attempted to um, in- interpret. interpret all of American Pie. Which again was so, I mean, blind of us because nobody in 1991 or 1990, uh, except for us, cared about the song <laughs> right. "American Pie." Actually,
1: no, that's not true. I, in my travels in high school, especially like when I was working and whatnot, there were that issue made its circuit around the other districts in Stark really? County. I had kids that I've never met from Perry, Glen Oak, that they they would come up and. You know, they would, they would ask me if I, if I was the one who wrote that article. People would actually read it. Well, that's surprising it. to me. No, it, it really – the only other time I think we got ourselves that much publicity was advertising trivia at Max and Irma's, of all things. Well, yeah, that, they did that. But, <laughs> but
0: uh, yeah, I mean, if – I don't know. If it wasn't Vanilla, vanilla Ice or, or uh, what's uh, – Vanilla ice. What's the guy? Can't touch this. Oh, um, um, yeah, it shows you how our memory <laughs> works here. Um, um, yeah, but if we, you know, if it wasn't that, that was the popular music of the day. So I, I doubt many people. But yeah, he, he, people liked it. People A- liked it. MC Hammer, by the way. MC Hammer. Yes. And and then one other quick anecdote. We um we actually at one point were kicked out of Denny's. Um, oh, we would yes. go to Denny's because we had no money, and so we could just we would just drink coffee, endless cups of coffee. One person might have enough for like Grand Slam, and we would all you know eat off his plate. Uh, but we just decided for what our, and we were not intoxicated. No. Um, we were not, I mean, we, were, we had a lot of caffeine from the coffee, but we decided to break into American Pie. I think by the third verse is when they ask us to leave. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty surprised it took them that long to, yeah. to ask us to get out. I
1: think they were enjoying the novelty until they realized that we couldn't carry a tune. Well, yeah, you know, that was tune. <laughs> awful. <so. laughs> but, good choice. Um, all right. So, yeah, sorry to have taken so much time on that one. No, that's good. Maybe Ameri-
0: someday we will do a special uh, yeah. episode. We'll talk about it a little more in depth. Let us know out there if that's something you would like, and maybe we can oblige. All right. All right. So my, uh, my next is going to be a face-off, an artist face-off, because I went with uh, Ray Charles. Okay. And I know this is the obvious choice, but uh, I love this. It's uh, his 1972 version of America the Beautiful. Yes. And, you know, some people feel like this is better suited to be our national anthem, then the national anthem. Right. Then the Star Spangled Banner. Even though it was recorded in 72 and released, it became really popular during the bicentennial in 76. Right. And then kind of had a renewed popularity after 9 11. You heard this version a lot. Uh, what I like about the version is just, you know, it, it's Ray Charles, um, it, it's it's the soul of Ray Charles. Oh, beautiful. All
3: heroes proved in. Strife Who more than self yeah, country loved? Yeah.
0: I had any patriotic song. I had to choose one patriotic song to listen to for the rest of my life that I felt fairly captured that essence of, you know, America in a patriotic way, it would be America the Beautiful
1: from Ray Charles. Yeah. I don't disagree. And I, I'm I am a proponent of it being the national anthem. I think it's I think it's far more representative of the nation and you know Star Spangled Banner, it's it's a military poem. You right. know, it's about um, you know, the the defense, uh, you know, being observed or being witnessed from Fort McHenry, it's not—I don't know that it's necessarily, you know, patriotic in the way that America the Beautiful is. I mean, it just America the Beautiful, when you talk about, you know, from sea to shining sea and all the glory that you find in between, it's—yeah, I've always been a proponent. I, I would not at all be upset if they if they someday were to change the national anthem to that— particular number um yeah no I, ray charles uh, again um it, it, he, that is the definitive version of the song and whew, which I, one did you choose again for ray I, I chose i actually chose oh you chose the, the black uh, national anthem right lipped every yeah let's voice let's stick sang. with
0: that just because this this summer's kind of been about uh, the awareness i mean a lot of people weren't even aware of things like juneteenth and and those types of uh of you know elements of black culture that have just been ignored by the media and by the schools. So why don't we include that? But then we'll include Ray Charles' version on the second Spotify playlist of alternates.
1: Okay. Yeah, if you're... If you're no, I'm good with that. Okay with that. I'm good with that. All right. Um, well, I have one more on my, proper, on, my, on my list proper, and then I need to come up with two alternates, um, which I think if you're losing Ray Charles there, you're probably going to need...
0: I will need to borrow an alternate. Well. <laughs> well,
1: that's fine. We'll um, get to that. We'll get to it. Um, all right. Well, my, my last song proper, this is, uh, the the title of the song is Red and White and Blue and Gold. Okay. And it is, is by- Is a country song? No, it's oh, actually, well, sounded country. I don't well know it's bluegrass, oh, okay. um, but okay. it, but it's, it's, it's folk. Is it it's Alison a, Krauss? No, it's not is Alison Krauss. That's the only Krauss? bluegrass artist that I no, know? The artist's name is actually Effa O'Donovan. Okay. And she, she was the front woman for a bluegrass revivalist group called Crooked Still. Um, they were a critically acclaimed Boston based quintet. Um, they had five studio albums before they called it quits in 2011, But her first solo LP, which was titled Fossils, it was released in 2013. Um, The album features a lot of uh, very thoughtful melodies, um, both haunting and hypnotic. Um, And and they're gently guided by by a very beautiful and expressive voice. I mean, it's so emotive, and she has this lovely lilt in the way that she sings. Um, Her lyrics are articulate, they're, they're relatable and so many ways, and they explore themes such as wonderlust and unrequited love and mortality. Um, if you've not heard of her, she is definitely an artist well worth your time to look up. Um, but her first single was this this sultry lullaby. Okay, red, red and white and blue and gold. Uh, the song was actually inspired. Wait, um, did you say
0: what year? I, I missed that. Uh, 2013. Okay, just to get an idea how current the song. Was. Yeah.
1: Um, the song was actually inspired by the disappointment of one of her friends. Um, they were on the beach. And her friend realized that they were too far away to see the fireworks on the Fourth of July, um, but but the the song then transitions um, to a tale of unrequited love, because um, you know, the, it's just the heartache of not getting what you want amidst the backdrop of hopeful independence. And it's I, to me, it, it's just it's not, it, it's a it's a bummer of a song. But like you always say, when you when you present songs of that of that kind, it ends very hopefully. Because she does it at songs end, she begins talking about there's a train leaving tomorrow and you know, let's be on it.
2: 12 miles deep I dug it with my hands Come on, lie next to me I'll sing you to sleep I'll sing you to sleep There's a band on the boardwalk You're
1: tapping your feet But I'm too drunk to dance It's such a beautiful song and I don't know that I don't know that any of our listeners uh, would be familiar with it. I might be the only person who who has heard this song. It is, it's a, it's a deep cut, but it's... Oh, Dave, you got to hear it. It's a okay. beautiful
0: song. I look forward to hearing it. Uh, my next one here is one that you did mention earlier in the broadcast, and it is, um, you know, it came, came about a time when our country... It was one of the heights of patriotism in this country. Maybe it was the Olympics at the time in 84. Of course, yeah, I think this was 84. I think the song was 84. Uh, 85. And so you had Rocky IV, which came out... <laughs> Yeah, and Rocky Four just really t- slammed us in the face yeah. with our USA versus Russia Cold War stuff. Um, you could say propaganda. It, you know, I love well, Rocky movies. It, it is what, yeah, it, it is, what is, what it, is. What it is. The song had been written by Dan Hartman, which some of you Gen Xers might know from his hit uh, "I Can Dream About It" from Streets of Fire. Streets of Fire. Uh, but Dan yes. Hartman wrote this song called "Living in America." But he, but Stallone wanted somebody to sing it. That I mean, nothing against Dan Hartman, but. You know, he he thought, boy, James Brown Mm -hmm. would be perfect to sing this song. And so he convinced, I don't think James Brown wanted to do it at first, but he convinced James Brown to do it, to uh, uh, perform this song. And it really introduced, it became a huge hit and introduced a whole new generation of people. Because, you know, you could argue that James Brown's more of a a boomer uh, artist, but introduced us Xers who didn't maybe have a a, a lot of knowledge of the godfather of soul to who uh, James Brown was and and his uh, theatrics when performing yeah uh, I believe there was a video where he performs with all his theatrics so we got to see a glimpse of that as well um, but you know it's just it's just a fun simple song it's one of the many songs that name drops a bunch of different cities like with who you lose in the news uh, what was the one they did hard, of hard rock, of rock and, and, roll and roll and dancing in the street yeah there's a ton of those that just name stuff I, I don't know if they feel like they'll get better sales because their city was mentioned in the song or what but yeah, I, I don't. There's no deep meaning here. It's just you it, mentioned cities in America. It's fun. It's living in America. It's very patriotic, and that's that.
1: And you just eliminated one of my alternates. All right, there we go. (laughs) That was an alternate, and it's not anymore. Okay, okay. Um, So, uh, actually, go ahead and finish your list. Okay, we'll look at my alternates when when you're done.
0: My next one is uh, "Philadelphia Freedom" by Elton John.
1: Also an alternate. (laughs) Okay, I can cross. I can start crossing these out.
0: "Philadelphia Freedom" came out in '75. Uh, Elton John, you know, he just started. I want to say it was about seventy-two, seventy-three, 73, where he just hit the ground running. I mean, the amount of material he put out in five or six years. I mean, two, three albums a year. He um, eventually kind of, right about this point, hit his breaking point and had to take a little bit of a break. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you know a little bit about his backstory. But, you know, it, ra- rarely did Elton John set out to write a hit. Um, well,
1: it, well, he didn't write, I mean, it was Bernie Taupin that that wrote... Lyrics.
0: Lyrics. No, I'm saying write a hit musically. Okay, okay? musically. Okay. But but he sometimes would suggest, um, yes, Bernie Topman wrote all the lyrics. Elton John wrote the music, of course. Um, but sometimes he would suggest- The titles. Titles or, yes. or subjects of, of the song. And he was friends with Billie G. King, who was a tennis player. Yep. And uh, she played on the Philadelphia Freedoms. I didn't know there was professional tennis that had teams back then. <laughs> yeah,
1: I-, I did not know either until I did a bit of research for this week's program.
0: And he suggested the title of this song, and Bernie Taupin. So, um, yes, it's kind of about the tennis team, but coming up, of course, the next year was the American Bicentennial. So I think they commercially were aware that they had an opportunity to create a song celebrating American independence. Still, you know, pay homage to the, to the tennis team and to, Bill, to um, Elton John's friend. Um, and so the lyrics were given to Elton John. And again, Elton John rarely set out to, to write a hit musically, but he just that. boy, well, I'm going to. To the point, he, he was so successful. He said that when he came over to America during the time this was played, he was so sick of this song. Mm-hmm. He wished he hadn't have written it. it. It was played constantly. Uh, he really regretted it, but it was a huge hit. Uh, just a single, was, was not did not appear on any album at the time. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just a f- fun song. I love it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and in, in fact, the single written on the single, it it actually said this song is dedicated to B.J.K. Mm-hmm. Billie Jean King, and also it said the soulful sounds of Philadelphia. Thompson, right. uh, yeah, he did not write lyrics in any way representing Billie Jean King or or, or you know the the tennis, um, the tennis team. What what in, what he wrote uh, was in largely was largely I think in response to the 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 Philadelphia. Sound of of the music coming out of the time the OJ's and um, you know Melvin and the Blue Notes as an example. It,
0: isn't so, it, isn't it funny how when when I said earlier like didn't write a hit and you automatically assumed I was talking about Bernie Taupin because I, you're a lyrics I, I'm a lyrics person. guy. And I'm yeah. thinking what does Bernie Taupin have to do with it? I'm talking about writing a hit yeah. because in my mind you write the music is what makes the right. song hit. Anyway, I just thought that was yeah.
1: Well, that's how we compliment one another <laughs> so well. Um, and uh, you know, Billy Jean King and and Elton John, their their friendship was so. Yeah, it it was a rich relationship. And, and, you know, both of them, of course, were living a closeted homosexual life at the time. She was married to a man until her former lover sued her for palimony. He was married to a woman, you know, and then, you know, eventually they became, you know, they they came out proudly. But, um, yeah, for a long time, you know, they both were, you know, their friendship was in some way cemented by that um, joint, you know,
0: yeah, they confided in one another. Right. Yeah, having right.
1: To, having to hide who they were, and thankfully that's not something that has to be done anymore today. Um, but the song reached number one uh, on the Billboard charts in 1975, and you know it became a constant in his in his live performances. And he would often, like so many good bands do, he he would substitute Philadelphia for the name of the city that he was performing in if it fit it had, yeah, it had right. to fit Cleveland didn't fit no Cleveland lot. didn't fit but Cincinnati <laughs> when he performed in Cincinnati it did it had to have the Cincinnati several, freedom yeah, yeah. You
0: can't, more than two syllables yeah.
1: right exactly um, but no fantastic I it was on my list so two in a row that I cannot choose for my alternates
0: yeah and, and even though Elton John is not an American citizen um, I mean I don't know if he has dual citizenship but he li- he's, he's resided in the United States he has in, in, uh, outside of Atlanta for at least 30 plus years right so he I'm sure he has a home back in England too but he he considers America to be his home. The United States to be his home. All right.
1: All right. Let, let's see if we're three for three. Do uh, I eliminate la- a third one? <laughs> the, the
0: the last one is that song I alluded to at the beginning. That's played at every fireworks show, along with "Born in the USA" and uh, Lee Greenwood's um, "God Bless the USA." And it is. Uh, it was actually written for um, a, a film in 1980. The jazz singer. The jazz singer. I knew where you were going. It's yeah. Neil Diamond's "America." And again, it we, we've talked a lot about immigrants uh, on this this show, but I think that that makes sense because America is a country of immigrants. The promise of America, the American dream are you know being able to come from some other place that's not quite working out for you. come to this country, be able to work hard, and that promise should pay off. We talked about how it doesn't always do that fairly, but that's that's the idea, and that's what we're striving towards. And so again, this is a song that uh, is, is overly patriotic, and a lot of people sing it and, and rightfully so. it's not it's not necessarily a song that's digging at the. It's just more celebrating the fact that this is a place where immigrants not only came and have made a life for themselves, but continue to do so.
3: Free, only-
0: It was used by Michael Dukakis during his uh, campaign in uh, 1988 when when he lost to George Bush the yep. senior. Uh, it also came back into the into prominence after 9/11, like a lot of patriotic songs did, where he changed the lyrics temporarily to "Stand Up for America." Yes, As it fit? And so, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how this is going to work on, on a mixtape because the first minute or so is orchestral and it starts off very slow and then goes into the rock portion of the song. So, since we already established that. The Star-Spangled Banner would start us off. I almost feel like we have to start side B with this song. It makes sense because of the way it slowly yep. um, goes into the song.
1: Uh, I had it on my list for a while. I had it as an alternate for a while, and then I, 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 I let it go. So I do not have to do not have to delete any alternates for that. But certainly, I, you know, it was on my radar. I, I, I gave it some thought. All right, so that takes me to my alternate list. I have four songs I can pick from that have not already been uh, chosen by you. Um, My four, I have have This Is America by Childish Gambino. One Last Time, uh, Christopher Jackson and Lin-Manuel Miranda from the musical Hamilton. I have Fortunate Son by Creedence Clearwater Revival. And then my fourth song would be Saturday in the Park by Chicago. Ooh,
0: that's... Those are all good choices. I wouldn't even think in Saturday in the Park, but you're right. They specifically mention...
1: Yeah, Saturday in the Park. Well, well how did I miss that one? I think it was the 4th of July, you yeah.
0: Hamilton, can't go wrong with that. Uh, what else did you say? Uh, fortunate Son? Fortunate Son. Politic- politically charged, but oh, again, that fits.
1: Yeah, and then uh, This is America by Chadish Gambino. Right, um, right. Okay, well, here, here's the deal. I think I'm going to dismiss Credence. Uh, I, I do love CCR, but... The song is really, it deals more with social class than war itself. Uh, of course, it was an anti-establishment, anti-war protest song, but uh, it's it's largely about social class. And I feel we've already had that conversation with songs we've already chosen for our list. Um, I do love Hamilton. Um, I mean, it's
0: kind of tough not to have Hamilton on a 4th of July, but I understand too that I mean, those are all good songs, so yeah. don't let me persuade what no, no. you there. <laughs> no.
1: Well, I chose the, the Hamilton song specifically, um, you know, one last time. It's Washington uh, confiding that he's not going to run for a third term. Um, what I love about the song is that he actually, you know, it goes into great detail, and historically we know that it's true, about, you know, he's basically um, suggesting or, or warning uh, against political partisanship, and, you know, we've seen— how that has played out uh, even still today across the aisle and the gridlock that, that occurs. And here we have at the foundation of our nation Washington's own words. And, you know, it, it quotes, quotes from the Bible, um, but more specifically, it, it quotes from Washington's actual farewell uh, address. Yeah, I mean,
0: and, and in the, in the biggest thing, too, of course, there was no really precedent for the president. Right, yeah. And uh, the, the, after two terms, the fact that he decided to step down. And in Hamilton was like, are you crazy? Like we're in the middle of all these things. Why would you want to stop the momentum? And, you know, maybe maybe cynically Washington was just tired, but you like the idea that he felt, no, this isn't about tyranny. This isn't a monarchy. This is democracy. And, you know, people would continue to keep electing me. It's time to give somebody else a chance, absolutely. and yep, absolutely. That's that's uh, yeah, a great message.
1: You know, he was in line; he could have been become the next king of America. No one would have objected. Correct. So, yeah. you know, it, it took uh, it speaks speaks very highly. No, that's to a his great. Character. That's a great choice. Um, you know, I think though, I I need to choose "This Is America" by Childish Gambino, and I think I'm going to for some some uh, levity. I'm going to choose "Saturday in the Park" by Chicago. Um, First, um, let's talk about This is America. Um, first of all, it's it's uh, actor and comedy writer Donald Glover.
0: Yeah, I was a huge fan of his when uh, on Community. I don't know if you watched oh, Community. I love Community, Yeah. But yes. so he's Community. I know he's on Atlanta now, which is a show that I, it's, it's on my list. And unfortunately, I have a huge list of things that I need to watch, but I just <laughs> have not had time. But I need to make a priority because I hear great things about Atlanta.
1: Well, yeah, oh, it, it's a fantastic show. I um. You know, he uses the, the the name Childish Gambino. He 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 started uh, rapping, started his musical career in 2011, and I don't know how or why. I've never really looked into it. How he came to choose Childish Gambino, but that is how he separates, um, you know, that particular part. Right. Of, well, that,
0: that first album is incredible, by the way. Um, it is a kind of a mix of there's there's some there hip hop elements. But there's a lot of jazz, there's a lot of soul. And I remember, I forget, somebody suggested to me online, actually. And I remember I was flying somewhere, and I I just popped it out on the plane. And it was just, it was crazy how eclectic it was. And then I found out later, it's the guy from Community. Right, yeah. You know, which is crazy, too. But, uh, you know, that's the only, it's it's funny, that's the only album I really kind of immersed myself into. I did not really take time into his later efforts. And and this song, I'm not as familiar with, although I know the controversy tied with it.
1: Sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he wasn't accepted into the the rap community when he he started. Uh, A lot of people, um, a lot of artists did not take him seriously, but that has changed. I mean, he's done a complete 180 because This Is America is probably the most influential song. Well, definitely the most influential song of 2018 when it was released. Um, it, It made history. It was the first... First rap song to win both Song of the Year and Record of the Year at the Grammys. Um, so that alone, you know, has, has well, left.
0: But, but even before that, it's the video that really well, stirred everybody.
1: Yeah, I, it, it's very difficult to differentiate the song from the video. Um, you know, the song, it, it. well, let's talk about the song first. The song features a gospel choir, um, which performs the introduction and and the refrain. But the song itself, it showcases a darker, more sinister vision than anything Glover had previously Yeah, recorded. the
0: first album, is, there's nothing like yeah, that. The no, first nothing. album is, talk about a music first, lyric first. Like, the, Charles Gambino's first album, to me at least, was a music first album. Yes. And, and this seems to be different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Here, he, he composes verses of, of bludgeoning lines to expose the threat of racially motivated violence. Um, and, and it works. I mean, it's a macabre journey, but it's one which his African-American audience, you know, absolutely can relate. This is America.
2: Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what we'll I'm whipping up. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping up. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Look how I'm living now. Police be tripping okay. music... now. Yeah, this is America, runs hey. in my area.
1: Hey. my area, I got the strap. Hey. Um, the song, though, This is America, you know, it's an honest dialogue about the other America. And again, we you know we don't pretend to be tone deaf on this podcast. We, we've we been using music really as an escape from much of what's happening uh, in our country. But on our 4th of July playlist, it's time we at least confront the issues, not take a side, but... Discuss yeah, what's I, happening and to
0: clarify. I think you mean escape from the the COVID stuff. I mean, yes, obviously, what's going on in, in in not just in the inner cities, but all across America. Like we've talked about in the podcast already, standing up for that American promise. Oh uh, yes, center for equal access. We're we're behind that all the way. Oh,
1: I'm yeah, one hundred percent. I'm I'm Black Lives Matter. Now, what I mean by escape more more so was the vitriol, especially on social media. Uh, you know, it, it's the uh, the podcast. I've looked forward to it because it's it's just a break from from you know just the constant barrage of hatred and, 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 and yeah, no, social
0: media. I've had to take long vacations, long yeah. sabbaticals from that. Exactly. It's so, toxic. Yeah. So
1: as we've been, you know, uh, promoting the, the podcast and as we've been going on to, to social media outlets and, and just really encouraging people to come and, and listen to the, to the podcast, it has been it has been an escape. Yes, I guess yes, that that's, yes. no, that's, that's, that's what that's you're that's right it. on. Yep. Yeah, going with. Um but the song it's an honest dialogue about the other America. It's it's the other America, the one that's, you know, denied still, obviously, the personal freedoms that were all promised. But the song is accompanied by a savage hook and, and also ad libs from multiple fellow rappers throughout
0: yeah i knew there were a lot of different guest performances on that and it's
1: yeah um but but you're right it's very hard to differentiate the song from its video the video uh i mean discussion of that iconic video's jim crow imagery and the commentary on brutality against black bodies it ruled the summer of 2018 i mean everyone was discussing it shocking yeah i it, it and you know very deliberately very purposefully so um but it's the various moving parts from the deep south that really holds the song together and makes it compelling. Um, I don't I don't know. I view This is America as a clear critique of of the way violence against um, against the the black community is digested by a culture which you know that you know mass shootings and the killing of unarmed black men it's so common we become numb to them, really. And I think the video really kind of pings on that because You know, we're so distracted by entertainment, um, you know, and and turn a blind eye to much of what's been happening until very recently. Well, yeah, that's what I was going
0: to say. Like, when the video came out, it was very shocking for a lot of people. Yes. But now, uh, after, unfortunately, the events of the summer that happened, you know, more and more things being captured, not just one event, more and more things being captured on video and and shared on social media, that uh, we look back at that video and we realize that, no, I mean, this... You know, yeah. he was he was spot on. Unfortunately, we've just turned a blind eye, unfortunately, yeah. to this.
1: And, and you know, we have been so numbed by it, and entertainment kind of rules the day. And I think, you know, the video really hones in on that, because, you know, we're distracted in the video in much the same way by the joyous dance sequences. You know, it distracts from the chaos that unfolds behind him in the video's uh, background. But, no, the song, it did win Grammy Awards for Song of the Year, Record of the Year, Best Rap and Sung Performance first rap song in history to both to win uh, song of the year and record of That's the year. That's surprising
0: it's taken so long.
1: Yeah, well, the Grammys, I mean they they still have uh, the black community rap especially hip hop it's still very underrepresented uh, in in you know Grammy uh well,
0: it, it, it I know what you're saying. It's like yeah. it's like MTV forever refused to play black artists. Oh, yeah. It wasn't until Michael Jackson's Billie Jean that kind of opened the door to black... I mean, it, it, there's a classic clip you can find on YouTube where uh, David Bowie's being interviewed by... Um, uh, is it... Uh, who is was the... Uh, John... Uh, what's the VJ's name? I can't remember anymore.
1: Was it J.J. Uh, Jackson? No, it was uh, no. the guy okay. with the
0: curly hair, kind of the curly hair. Uh,
1: let's see, there was Alan...
0: He, he, no, there was Alan Hunter... Right. And there was Martha Quinn, J.J. Jackson. Of course, Nathan. it's the one I can't remember. And There's he even me. has a, sa- a show on satellite radio. Um, anyway, he uh, had an interview with Bowie. and Bowie called MTV out on it. And in the fact, that they said there were all these black artists that weren't being played. Yeah, it wasn't until till later, like in 83, after I'd you know, been on the air for several years, that they started playing those artists. So no. No.
1: it's a shame. Now
0: it's... Mark Goodman. Mark Goodman's in name, folks. Yes. Mark Goodman.
1: There was also Nina Blackwood. Nina Blackwood. Yeah. She was kind
0: of an auxiliary person. Yeah, she was she, like the, the substitute. She,
1: she was the... Oh, yeah, she, always, she had that
0: that raspy smoker's voice. Yeah,
1: she did. Um, yeah, everyone loved Martha. Oh yeah, Martha yeah, Martha. Quinn, Martha America Quinn Sweetheart. was MTV. Yeah. Know. All right. Um, so uh, my my final pick then um, Saturday in the Park by okay. Chicago. Um, it was written by Chicago's main songwriter Robert Lamb. Um, and the song details uh, from what I from what I know. Wait, it, a it,
0: Saturday it, in the Park, maybe?
1: Uh, well, yes, but specifically, and, and the lyrics <laughs> say it all. Um, it. it Details the events of a particularly thrilling July Fourth in, right. in New York's Central Park, um, and you know the, the song.
0: It, it it's a it's one of those Chicago dialogue songs. Yes, where the there are two lead vocalists and they're kind of singing back and forth singing back each other.
1: and forth. Right. And it, at times it's even hard to distinguish who, you know, because Peter who, Cetera in there somewhere. I think, yeah, yeah, Peter yeah, Peter Cetera was always one of their lead vocalists, and of course he took over in the '80s, and that's when the band transitioned to adult contemporary romantic pop ballads, but, you know, early Chicago, I mean, it was a fusion unlike anything else on the radio. They they seamlessly combined classical music, jazz, R&B, and pop, and created a a blended sound that was so unique. Um, In fact, Chicago 5, which is the album that Saturday in the Park comes from, uh, very characteristically, it it hit number one on the Billboard pop and jazz charts. Uh, And they really, they collected a fan base from, very nearly every genre uh, because, you know, they were the self-described rock and roll band with horns. And, you know, it was just, I don't, I don't think there was a genre they didn't, you know, experiment with. Sad- It fuses everyday lyrics with, you know, with, with a political yearning. There is a—it's very nuanced, very subtle. But he does talk about, do you want to help him change the world? Can you dig it? Yes, right, I can, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a great song. It's another one of those songs that takes place on the 4th of July. So, um you know, I, I don't want all of my songs to be in a pensive mood. To, no, know, I No, that's good. I can easily throw one at you that it's just a celebration of the day, and that's I think perfect.
0: I, I wish I would have picked it. Yep. But you mentioned Chicago Five. Like they named all of their albums, you know, by, by chronologically by number. But then in the late seventies, there was one I forget. Was it was like on the streets or. Hit the, there, one album they just randomly called it something else and then they oh, went back to the numbering system. I do I I can't think of the <laughs> it was title. It's just so strange. Can't
1: th- Well, and, and they actually well, they changed their name after the first they were Chicago Transit Authority. Yes, correct. Yes. Uh, originally. Yeah, right. that, um, that's a good album. But yeah, the, the numbers the the higher you go, the less likely I am to listen to the yeah, to I the I, I know
0: what I'm I guess I'm already getting a reputation for being a dull contemporary <laughs> hater. And perhaps I am because not to spell too much, but I have a song that I want for next week and I'm listening to it and the lyrics again it's one of those songs that the lyrics actually attracted me which is rare and the lyrics are perfect and I'm just listening to it and I'm like, man, this is really adult contemporary. I don't know if I can pick this. It's almost unlistenable.
1: You do know that you and I are contemporary adults, right? Yeah,
0: There's means... a difference between contemporary oh, okay. adults and adult contemporary <laughs> music.
1: All right, I will give if, you if that. Kenny
0: G has ever been in your collection. Uh, no.
1: Okay. No, I, I do not. Again, a... <laughs> I'm sure
0: he's a fine musician. It's just yeah, no. not my thing.
1: Do not own a copy of Songbird, never have. Um, All right, so there are my 10, and we are going to now take pause. We're going to deliberate, figure out our playlist. And, folks, we will be back before you know it.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a challenge because we have a very eclectic mix of not only genres and styles, but thematic. We probably have four or five different thematic elements. Oh, easily. This will be a while, but uh, not for you folks because we're going to be right back after this. All right, and we're back just like that. And uh, we have deliberated, and we have come up with our list, and uh, it it took a couple passes through
1: this. <laughs> yes, um, this may be the most challenging uh, mixtape we we've uh, put together. Certainly, um, you know there's so many styles, so many genres. I it, it, this this one was hard. Yeah, you know, I it, mean I it was challenging
0: because you could you could put them in almost li- little categories. We have um, songs that are just straight out patriotic and are celebrating the United States and its history. Then we have songs that maybe question a little bit of of how far we've come or how far we have yet to go and that would come from the you know the the viewpoint of of the immigrant uh of the blue collar worker uh, of the african-american and then of course we have just songs that take place on the fourth of july or about fourth of july type activities like watching fireworks and having barbecues so that's a lot to kind of put together yeah
1: (laughs) i I think it's going to make a great playlist it's certainly eclectic and I, I think there's something here for everybody
0: all
2: right.
1: uh, which I don't I mean often I, I think some of our playlists, some of our mixtapes may be um, maybe more pigeonholed but this one I mean, it's it's kind of all over the place uh, and that makes me happy all right well, once you read uh, read off what we have here all right so side a again uh, this imaginary mixtape uh, you know Gen Xers uh, everywhere um, here we go side a it begins with the star spangled banner by Jimi Hendrix And then that leads into This Land is Your Land by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Philadelphia Freedom by Elton John. Party in the USA, thank you, Dave, by Miley Cyrus. (laughs) Uh, Living in America by James Brown. Into Allentown by Billy Joel. Pink Houses by John Mellencamp. Chicken Fried by the Zac Brown Band. Saturday in the Park by Chicago. And then we end Side A with American Pie by Don McLean. Mm, Yeah. And side B. Uh, we begin with This is America by Childish Gambino. America by Neil Diamond. The Hands That Built America by U2. American Tune" by Paul Simon. Three County Highway by the Indigo Girls. Then Fourth of July, Asbury Park, Sandy by Bruce Springsteen. Red and White and Blue and Gold by Effa O'Donovan. The Night I Painted the Sky by Jimmy Buffett. The uh, One last time. Oh, we, we need to talk about that. You didn't realize that you had an extra
0: pick. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So we deliberated and we found out that, and this happened last time too, because we obviously can't count elementary math This is math why we teach English, hard, yes. <laughs> um, That I missed one of my picks. So yeah, we need to talk about that. Uh, I, of course, had run out of picks. I only had three to begin with, so I'm going to steal one from Alan. And uh, I'd already mentioned, as a, as a Hamilton fan... Uh, you, you, it's a Fourth of July playlist, so you have to have a Hamilton song. So I'm going to um, include his pick of uh, One Last Time.
3: I'm stepping down. I'm not running for president. I'm sorry, what? One last time. Relax, have a drink with me. One last time. Let's take a break tonight. And then we'll teach him how to say goodbye. To say goodbye, you and I. about neutrality sure. yeah. with Britain and France on the verge of war is this the best I time I warn against partisan fighting what? pick up a pen start writing I want to talk about what I have learned the hard-won wisdom I have earned as far as the people are concerned you have to serve you could continue to serve no. one last time
1: so one last time Is track nine on side B, and our final song uh, we end the uh, the mixtape with "Lift Every Voice and Sing" by Ray Charles. Now we do want to let you know um, we we looked we always do our playlists on Spotify, and um, as we were you know going through through the songs selecting our sequence, we did discover that Spotify does not have Ray Charles' version of Lift Every Voice and Sing. So I'm not sure. There's going to be a substitution. We don't know in what way yet, but um, I, I would encourage everyone to, to try and find a copy of the song YouTube. Well, YouTube has YouTube it, has, it, so has it. YouTube. absolutely. We'll
0: either pick, if we can find a cover version that's similar, we'll pick that, or, or I don't know, maybe you know, God Bless America or... Uh, yeah or America I, the Beautiful I'm sorry yeah I was going to say maybe, Yeah,
1: America the Beautiful was your pick by Ray Charles anyway right. we may just sub it right. um, but uh us Every Voice and Sing is the final track of this week's playlist and that folks is our mixtape for the 4th of July
0: I think that's going to be a good that, that's going to be a good I'm going to listen I'm going to listen to that on the 4th of July
1: yeah I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it I, I think you know every week we get better I, you know I'm new to this whole thing I know you have the Movie Day um, podcast but just just from what I can tell, I mean, I feel like we're really starting to establish ourselves and, and get a voice. And this this felt to me like one of, hands down, the best show yet. Yeah, it felt good. It yeah. felt good. Um, I, I, I love that we had a more mature, uh, a deeper discussion. And I feel musically, we really covered our bases. So I hope. The audience agrees okay so you gave me a homework assignment i did uh, last week yes um i was you know we we have our our intro set but we we had not established a um you know a a send off if you will um so i I figured you know we we talked last week and we decided that we needed some kind of signature send off i did my best i i I stole we we keep talking about our uncles i I stole uh, the first part from uncle billy um but uh, you wanna you wanna start I, I do, but
0: before I would because i'm I'm anxious to try this out, don't forget our next episode, Oh, yes,
1: yes, our next episode, our theme will be home, and that is because we've been spending so much time there, um so I you know, I'm not sure what criteria uh, each of us will use in our interpretation, but home will be our next episode, and yeah, we and, hope, and I like tonight. to promise
0: there won't be a bunch of indigo girl Billy Joel Bruce Springsteen songs, but then I might be lying. <laughs> You know, here's what I think real quick. I think that um, certain we've we've picked certain topics that have lent certain, you know, to certain artists strengths. Right. Um, So for whatever reason, we've picked topics that, yeah, you've seen a lot of artists repeated. But then I kind of look through our our list of, of ideas that we have. And by the way, feel free to write in if you have some ideas as well. Uh, and I look through and I'm like, that now a whole new crop of musicians come to mind. And, and not Springsteen and Indigo Girls and Paul Simon and so on. So I think just think thematically, you know, stick with us. We're not always going to be right. using the same bands. It just happens to be that those bands had music that fit the particular categories that we chose. Agreed. Yes. So, all, all right. Give it a try here? Yeah, let's give it a try. All right, here we go. Hot funk, cool punk, even if it's
1: old junk, another mix of memories awaits next Sunday. For now, it's time to press pause, lift the needle, and hit eject, but we'll be waiting for you on the flip side.